Isaiah chapter 1, I know your uh, bulletin says verses 7 through 20 is the text, and that's really what is the main crux of it, but I want to read as a text to begin with uh, here these first uh, six verses of Isaiah chapter 1 because it builds up to it. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which was the, uh, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Now let me just say this about Isaiah. We're not told how he died, but rabbinical writings from that day, which I think is what is behind in Hebrews chapter 11 when we talk about the faith chapter, uh, rabbinical writings say that he was sawn in half. Now, the only problem I have with rabbinical writings a lot of them do tell the truth, but some of them take those as scriptures and, and that which you're to live by, and they're not scriptures. They're kind of like a, a historical type of thing and a philosophical type thing. For example, somebody wrote of today, and they talked about uh, the gospel being preached. But then they talked about, uh, oh, what a blessing the contemporary movement was, or what a great blessing Calvinism is. And, uh, well, they'd have that all wrong. It's unscriptural. But that is the way. Uh, rabbinical writings are kind of like because some men are writing their own things, but they're reporting history, probably true because they reported at the time. So in Hebrews it said some were sawn asunder. And in rabbinical writings, Isaiah had been sawn in half while he's alive. I, I can't, that's just something that I, I don't even want to fathom in my mind. I really don't. But it was for the cause of Christ. But then Hezekiah was one of the great kings, one of the uh, good kings of Israel. But Isaiah was in that day, but there were some wicked kings in that time as well. So he says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Now before somebody says, well, that's just for Israel. No. If you're saved, you're one of his people. You're one of his people. When, if you don't like Jews, heaven's going to be miserable for you because there are Jews that received Christ, and they're going to be caught up to be with the Lord as well. They'll be there at the same time you are, okay? So, uh, I want you to understand, there were a lot of people that were schooled in the Jewish faith of the Bible, I mean the Old Testament, the law, and everything else, but these people went away from it, even though it was there. And you see so many churches in our time. You see, it just seems like there's a fad that starts in churches. Remember the promise keepers? Oh, that was the big fad, and that died out, but it took a lot of people away from truth. And he said, well, there's some good things I knew about. Yeah, there were some good things. See, that's the way the devil deceives. He tries to use some good things mixed with false things. And so that's how he deceives and, and <clears throat> destroys a work. And so he did that with that. But, uh, and that's been the manner down through 
church history. Use this, use that. The church at Sardis had a name that they don't now live us. Man, that's the happening church. Man, everything's happening. Boy, it's going great. But the next phrase says, but thou art dead. Oh, you, by the eye, it looks like, boy, that's a living church. But in the spirit, God says, you're dead. God says, it's a dead church. It's a dead church, even though the world thinks, boy, look, it's a happening church. Well, it's not in God's sight because they've gotten away from the Word of God. So, he says, continuing now, he says in verse 4, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. And I've seen that so many times over the years, especially having a Christian school, Christian kids and the church may get involved with Christian kids from another church, but their churches have all these other things going that we know are wrong by the Word of God. But mom and dad, we want to go there. You know, they really love the Lord. and They get in that and they get their parents to leave a Bible preaching church to go there. And what I've discovered, I've been here long enough now to know that once they get through school, they're also leaving those churches. And most of them, most of those kids, they move for their spiritual good are not in church at all now. Just that, those are just the fads in what they do over time. And so, uh, says they're corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One unto anger. In other words, their actions have strongly urged the Lord, to a point that's made him angry, he, he's about to judge. They are gone away backward. Why have you stricken any more? I mean, why should he be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint from the sole of the foot even unto the head there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores they have not been closed neither bound up neither mollified with ointment. In other words, the compromise, the false doctrine, the flesh, and all that's been involved has so wounded the soul and spirit, although they may be God's people, as it happens today, it now in his sight is as a putrefying sore without any healing available. Now that's where I want to stop as an introduction as far as our, going, before I go into the actual main text. But I think in looking at something from the Old Testament, you know, one thing we learned that about history is that people do not learn from history. 
And I'm afraid Christianity is the worst because we don't realize, so many don't realize, because of some false teachers teaching in their uh, seminaries and other places, well, this Old Testament doesn't really apply to us. I still believe thou shalt not kill is true. I believe that taking the name of the Lord your God in, in, in vain is, is a sin, a terrible sin in God's sight. Amen. We could go on down through those Ten Commandments. Adultery is still sin. Murder is still sin. On we could go about the things. Lying is still sin. That did not change. The New Testament did not do away with the law. Jesus says, I didn't come to do away with it. I mean, when Jesus said, he's the one that died for us, and if he said he didn't come to do away with it, but to fulfill it, then, my friend, the truth still stands. It's by that Old Testament that many will find out I was a sinner. You see, it was by the Old Testament, we, it was to teach us that we are sinners. The New Testament was to teach us that we can be delivered and we have a Savior. But not at the expense of doing away with the thou shalt nots, as well as thou shalt, thou shalt. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. Which Jesus said from the Old Testament, and for all time, is the greatest. That is the first, he's called it. The first meant the most important of all commandments. That was the most important commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, body, and mind. And I don't think there's a one of us in here that we may all love God, but can we say we've always loved Him with our, our entire heart, our being, our soul, our mind, our spirit. It's always in the Lord. Oh, no. And to break commandments of the Lord is sin, isn't it? So really, we are sinners. If you're saved today, we are sinners saved by grace. And that same grace will save anyone who will come to Him in repentance and faith. Well, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get looking here into our message today. Father, I pray now as we go here, Lord, and we look here in this first uh, chapter of Isaiah, we see things that are really almost as a forecast of what we see going on today. So, Lord, I pray that You'd help each of us be drawn closer to you, to not be a part of the falling away group, but the group that stands strong for the Lord, regardless of the cost. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. I remember back in the 1960s in high school, and I was in high school in the 1960s, college too, that's bad, isn't it? But anyway, in the 1960s, I was in high school. We had standards there. Now, sometimes, well, it, it's funny, I'll hear people say, boy, you have a, a something here like a concentration camp with all those rules. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I can remember 
a young lady, she had a, a skirt on that went right to here, just at the top of her knee. She got sent home in a public school. Now, this wasn't a Christian school. It was a public school. I remember when the Beatles came, you know, and I think it was Ed. I'd never seen an Ed Sullivan show. I, I never got to watch one. I, I mean, we had church on Sunday night. Something that's like a mystery to churches today. But we had church on Sunday night as well, Sunday morning. And Ed Sullivan had the Beatles in. The next day, there was a group of guys walking around that had their hair combed down like the Beatles. And they're walking around in a group, walking around before school started, and just a big smile on their face. And the principal met them out there and he said, Hey, what you guys doing? They said, Oh, we're just walking around. Mr. Cooper, that's his name, Cooper, Mr. Cooper, we're just walking around. He said, okay, we'll walk in the restroom, comb that hair. They said, well, we have a right to wear our hair this way, don't we? He said, yes, you do. You really do. And you go home and wear it that way, because if you're going to wear it that way around here, you're going home, and then you're going to have to explain to your parents that you refuse to comb your hair the way a man should comb his hair. <laughs> you know what? They knew he was serious, but they also knew something else. They got sent home for that. Their parents would kill them. They would not call up school. Why are you treating my child that way? No, they'd call up and say, why didn't you beat him crazy? You know, I mean, that's the way it was back in that day. And if you got one at school, it was worse when you got home. I mean, I got used to the one at school. I didn't get used to the one at home. It was much harder, okay? So that's the way it was. So I'm just saying this is that... Uh, it had grown this way when you look at this, and it was in school that way. I mean, we didn't have uniforms like we have here at OCA, but the same dress standard. I mean, collared shirt, you had to have socks on, the shoes, of course, socks and shoes. If you came without socks, they'd send you home. Uh, they would uh, uh, expect you to be groomed rightly. Ladies, all the girls all had to wear either a skirt, a blouse and a skirt, or a dress. That's the way it was. And it had to be in modesty. It could not be something that was immodest. It had to be in actual modesty. Public schools. And it wasn't just the one I went to. That was across the board. The degradation of a society is seen when its standards go down the tubes. And that's when, where we see a lot of that starting. Uh, schools have a way of bringing in teachers that uh, were instructed in the college by some guy that was, had a mind stronger, some lady for that matter, had a mind stronger than those minds because those were young minds going into college, but when they left college, they were told this is the only way to do it. Now you've got to, <clears throat> basically what they were doing is they were evangelizing them to the way of worldliness and the way of the devil. That's exactly what was happening. So uh, this public schools have gone away from that and that's what you see it is there today. But it's not just in the public schools. The churches have sold out to what I call woke religion. The book of Judges, if you go through the book of Judges, we see a pattern and it's there all the time. Uh, 
Israel enters the land victoriously via the great hand of God, the river Jordan parting. They go over. They march around the walls of Jericho. They fall. And all Israel's victorious. They're getting the land. They're driving those folks out of the land. They're, they're taking the land that God promised to Israel through Abraham. And then they see some of the things they had there and it, applies to the, it appeals to their flesh. Hey, they like that music they used. They liked the images they had. They liked the way they dressed. They liked all of that. And they would start to incorporate that. So they would rebel and God would react. And then they would have to repent because they did not like God's reaction. And so, uh, when you stop following God's will, according to God's word, at God's directives through His Holy Spirit, then you will enter into a place that you don't want to go. Uh, the promised land was uh, something entered into victoriously, but they did not live victoriously. They did not live as the one who gave them the land would have them to live. And so they went back and their generation passes. Even though they had repented. And so time after time throughout those generations there would be sin, there would be defeat, then there would be repentance and victory. And after they lived with the victory and everything going well for a little bit, it would go again the same way. That's why it is of utmost importance parents teach their children Bible truth, doctrine, standards, holiness, righteousness, teach it in the home, get it strong there, get it set in their heart and mind so they'll have conviction when the devil tempts them to go that way. Now understand, your children will be tempted fully when you're not around. You won't be able to do anything about it, and so the thing that you need to do about it is right now is get it so planted in their heart and mind that if they do those things, they come home fully convicted about their sin. Oh yes. The promised land was a great place to be. But then it became a bad place because they kept turning their back on God. And when you read through the rest of the book of Judges, seeing that happen over and over and over again, at the end of the book, it states a philosophy that it seems like they adopted across the board. Somewhat like today. It said, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. The equivalent to that today is, well, what's, Sin for you may not be sin for me, and what's sin for me may not be sin for you. You know, what's right for me is, may be wrong for you. What's wrong for you may be right for me. And see, that's the way they would go. And their 
grows out of that, that attitude of the end justifies the means. The problem is the end is corrupt. The end is corrupt. So they get following. They've been given the law. The judges were to teach the law. They were to meet and learn the law, just like Christians are not to be forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. Well, as long as I'm there once a week, that's all that counts. Now, come on, you need more sleep than that. Okay. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that, no, you need to be there and hear the Word of God and learn. You see, that's where Israel failed, and it seems today the church is falling into the same pattern. They're going all these other directions because instead of the holiness of God, instead of the praise of God, instead of the glory of God, and that glory and praise must always be holy. What makes me feel good and what makes my kids feel good? Now I've said this before in our church services, so let me just say it one more time. It's been a while. When I was growing up, people used to say, if my toes didn't get stomped on in church, then I haven't been to church. And they weren't talking about people walking in front of you, getting out of the aisle. But now they say, if I don't feel good and I leave church, I, then I haven't been to church. Look, you come forward, you got something and it hits your sin, you come forward and get it right with God, you ought to be able to feel good. It's forgiven. I can forsake it. God has provided a way. And so we follow Him. So, the ruin of a country is seen when it rebels against righteousness. But its recovery is seen in repentance and true faith towards God. But it better not happen too late. Or as Israel, you may lose it all. That happened to them. Psalms 9, 17. Now you say, well, that's still Israel, isn't it? Well, Psalms 9, 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. All the nations that forget God. Proverbs 14, 34 says, Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Any people. Sin, and that's what God defines as sin, not what man defines as sin. Sin is a reproach, uh, and, and, and it is, it's a terrible thing that when it happens among God's people, and God must find that it shows them it is a reproach to them in what it will end up doing. Now look, that applies, as we said, to all nations, and there are no excuses. Creation is self is an undeniable, well not, let me really say that, undeniable in truth. Now people deny it, but it's not truth that, uh, that they don't have truth. They just deny the truth that's actually there. But all of creation itself is a testimony of God. Remember the stories of Hiroshima? When the first Atom bombs were dropped. What an explosion. Wow, what destruction. 
I don't know how many races and how many peoples were, were created out of that. I mean, if that's how this world came into a being, that there was this big explosion in space, and we have all these planets, well, how many planets came out of Japan? How many new beings, animals, fish, and all these other kind of things were created out of that explosion? So just using their own ideas, that doesn't happen. So again, it is God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things, all things, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He is God Almighty, and He is the one who is the judge of the heaven and the earth. The Bible says also in John chapter 1, verse 9, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came into his own. I mean, he came in through a Jewish heritage, a Jewish mother, formed by the Holy Spirit inside that mother. The father developed him through the stages so he would be of that Jewish descent. But you know what? He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, not born, a, you're not saved when you're Jew. I've heard Jews give their testimony that actually did get saved. I thought I was saved. I thought I was going to go to heaven because I was a Jew. Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, oh, I'm going to work, boy, the works I'm doing is going to get me saved, it's going to get me into heaven, nor of the will of man, oh, we've got these things worked out, these uh, theories, we've got all these other things, if you'll follow them, this philosophy, this psychology, if you'll follow it, oh, you'll be all right. No. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes from the Father but by me. That's why he finished up that verse by saying, but as many as received him, to him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe, rely on, trust in his name. His name meaning he is the Savior, and he can save them, he can cleanse them, and he would, any who would turn to him in repentance and faith. That's how he saved you today. That's how he saved me today. And so, creation itself is a testimony of God. We first see America must learn from Scripture not from government, especially as it grows more corrupt. You have heard of what goes on today. Government has a hard time with this element. Education has a hard time with this element of a total destruction on the one hand, and yet of a total deliverance for those who turn to the Lord. And that's the choice that people have to do, uh, deal with today. Whether the local church repents and revives to the call to be holy and evangelize the world, not turning to the flesh to look for 
so-called victory and ease. When the local churches lose their sensitivity to sin and dull all their senses to whatsoever is holy and righteous, even to the point that they call the holiness, the righteousness, those standards, those biblical standards, they call it legalistic instead of holy and righteous. Making worldliness all right as the people of Israel and their priests had images of the moon and the stars and of women on the walls. Making Worship of Aphrodite and the other gods, Baal or Bel, however you want to say it. Worshiping the stars. All these pictures they had up there in the very house of God. Isn't it interesting that although another temple will be rebuilt in the tribulation, It'll take Jesus coming back to this earth to get the right temple and to get it right. Oh, what a terrible thing it is. The influence of the devil, immodesty, disrespect of God's house, disrespect of God for that matter, and His Word is such that they have abandoned it for the psychology and philosophy of religious heretics. Sacrificing themselves on the altar of the relative to the world instead of the holy sacrifice of themselves on the altar of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Doing God's will, God's way, in God's timing, and God's time is now, by the way. Feelings and lust instead of repentance and faith. Seeking acceptance with the world, wanting to be relevant to the world. Therefore, churches across this land grow in what we call woke, rock, and wickedness. But in their minds, their heart, it's so parted from God they can't see that it's woke, rock, and wickedness. They think it's justified. Don't get your information from anything else but the Word of God. Don't get your information from this preacher or any other preacher if he's not preaching the Word as it is to men as they are. That's why, yes, for me, as well as for any other one that would stand in this pulpit, Make sure you check the Word of God so that what they're saying is true. Acts 17, 11 says, They at uh, Berea were more noble than those at Thessalonica in that they searched the Scriptures to see if those things were true. What things? The things the Apostle Paul, I mean that old heretic, you know, the things that Apostle Paul was preaching. And he says, they're noble. They want to make sure it's the Word of God. Now, my friend, I want to ask you today as we're heading to a close here, we'll continue this message tonight, and I've got some more I want you to hear, but right now, this is what I want you to ask yourself. Am I absolutely certain that if I died today that heaven's my home? 
Can I give a Bible reason while I know that if I die today that heaven's my home? Can you give a Bible reason? If not, I hope that you'll come today and let one of our personal workers open the Bible so that you are not playing Russian roulette with your soul because if it's not taken care of in this life, eternity, there's no escape from hell. But Christian, I read that text at the beginning in verse 1 about Isaiah being a part of yet Hezekiah, a godly king as well. Hezekiah stood. He called out their sin. You see, preacher, nobody likes you to preach against sin. Well, they didn't like it back then either. He was probably sawn in half, died for the faith. But now I want to ask you, now you look at that as well over 1,700 years ago. Matter of fact, I think it's about 2,000, it's over 2,000 years ago, 2,700 years ago. So let's just say Isaiah was sawn in half 2,700 years ago. Okay? His spirit has been with God for 2,700 years. Those that sawed him in half, those Jews that may not have gone deep into sin, but they never turned their heart over totally to God as they should. They did not look to that Messiah that would save them from their sin that was a coming Messiah in their day. But they already had the truth of what he would do for them if they would trust him. They've been in hell where they'll never cease to exist. They've been in hell where they'll never escape for 2,700 years. Now whose sandals, I guess we should say for their age, would you rather be in? Isaiah's right now or theirs? Well, one day you're going to be in one of those pairs of sandals or shoes. Now is the time, though, to make sure of it. Behold, now is the accepted time. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, Behold, now is the day of salvation. Do you know if you die today that heaven's your home? Let's bow our heads, please.